Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sand Hill, FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sand Hill. It's our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ because here at Sand Hill, we believe that Christians can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, we invite you to visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. James chapter 1, familiar scripture. Um, I I hope we can learn from it this morning if the Lord will help us. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable." In all of his ways. Let us pray. Lord, I just present myself to you, Lord, as an, as an un, uh, inadequate vessel this morning. I just pray that you would remove me out of the way. Pray your Holy Spirit would speak to the hearts of all of us. Everyone that's listening this morning, Lord, may we be stronger and more stable for you in the coming year, I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> So James lays out some pretty clear uh, instructions, I believe, here. And again, I believe this is kind of the opposite of what we generally think. Now, if we just put this in context, uh, if we look at the first verse, it it tells us uh, we believe this was the time when all of the Christians had been in Jerusalem. Thousands were being saved, maybe tens of thousands. Uh, The Bible even records the thousands that were saved. The church was growing mightily in Jerusalem. Everybody was in Jerusalem. And everybody was Christian. And it was popular to be Christian. And all of a sudden, Stephen gets up, starts preaching, ticks people off, they stone him to death, and then they start persecuting Christians. And the Christians were just scattered abroad. There were just groups over here and groups over here. So now it's no longer popular to be a Christian. Now they are torturing you and punishing you for being a Christian. And James is writing to that group of people is what he tells us in verse number one. And he's writing to them and he has some interesting um, um instructions for us. And if we would take it to heart this morning, I think it would really help us to be more stable. So I'd like for us to look at the process. Number one, the process. There is a process here. Before I get into this process, what James says, I want to ask you guys all this question. You know, we have younger Christians here. We have older Christians here. We have all kinds of people here. We have different ones watching us online. But I want to ask this question. Is there anyone that just wakes up one morning and says, I'm stable? I'm stable. Today, I'm stable. I mean, is that how it works? Listen, we, we know some people have a different personalities and everything. But listen, my point, point is, and James's point is, you don't just all of a sudden become stable. It takes a process, right? You, you don't wake up and become mature and, and nothing throws you off course. It's a process. You know, there are a lot of young uh, uh, Christians and a lot of people, they're, they're on fire for the Lord and they're excited and they're enthused. And but the truth is, until you go through some problems, you're not going to be stable, Right? 
I, I can remember a young preacher who, a young pastor who started out pastoring this church uh, some years ago, and boy, he just thought, boy, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we know what we're gonna do. We're gonna go by the Bible, we're gonna go forward. <laughs> but you know that that pastor couldn't be stable until he went through some rough waters. Talk about me, right? And, and how many pastors have I talked to down through the years? Friends of mine and different ones, and, and you know, they're young, and boy, I'm just going to change everything. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And it's their good intentions. They love the Lord. <laughs> but until they get through that hard times, they're not stable. Now, there are a lot of older ministers now that you can't hardly knock them off course. You know what that is? Because they had to go through the process. So there's a process here. So let's look at the process. You say, preacher, I don't like the process. Well, take it up with God, okay? Because it's his process. But I believe there is a a blessing to it. So he tells us in verse number two, um, to count it all joy when we fall into divers temptations. Now that divers temptations, I would like for us to just kind of uh, insert in there uh, problems. Life is full of problems. It's just part of life. Listen, you don't get to live and not have problems. Anybody ever not have problems? I mean, that's just part of life, right? It, it could be health, could be finance, could be family, could be church. It could be a multitude of things, could be a, a, a stack of things. But problems are part of life. There are people, I think, trying to figure out how to get through this life with no problems. Well, good luck with that one. Because problems come, right? That is part of life. But it's also part of the process. You don't get where you need to be till you have some problems. You know, I love the young people in this church. I think we have some of the best young people anywhere. We have young preachers in the church. We, we are blessed with a lot of, we have new converts in the church. Uh, um, so that is what a tremendous blessing that is. But can I tell you, no matter how much you love the Lord, no matter how full of God you are, no matter how far you are uh, for the Lord, until you go through some problems, you're not going to get to be stable. Right? Brother Spike, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like, I wish it said, count it all joy when your day goes good and you don't have any problems. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says when you have problems, right? And, and it says count it all joy. I don't think that is the idea of waking up in the morning, oh, praise God, I just got a horrible report, I'm going to die. I don't think that's what that means. You know what I think that means? I think it means understand the process. God's doing something in your life. When you're going through problems, if you'd understand God's making something out of you, you're going to be something when he gets done with you. You can, you can say, I am thankful not for the problem, but I am thankful for the process that's going to make me stable. I think that's the idea uh, that we have here. So problems uh, come. And then it says, we're still in the process, but let uh, it says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now I'd like for us to put in for patience, this is really the definition of the word, endurance. You have to have problems to have endurance. You can't endure until you have problems. Does that make sense? In in other words, you're never going to have any endurance of going through things until you have something to go through. So your endurance comes by having problems. So part, part number one is having problems. Part number two is enduring those problems. Now, have you ever seen any of these Christians, and this is kind of what I'm trying to get through. I think maybe we have a lack of teaching. But as soon as they, and I know this is human nature, but as soon as they get into a problem, the only thing they're thinking about is how they can squirm out of that problem. They're not building up endurance. They're not, they're not a, abiding under the pressure. They're not going through the problem. They're just trying to figure out how to get out of it. And the whole time they're in there, they're not a, looking at the process. They're just thinking, God, how can I get out of this so I don't have to do this anymore? But sometimes the problem needs to be endured. 
That's just how you get to be stable. So part number one is problems. Part number two is endurance. And then part number three, he says, and let patience, let enduring the problem, have her perfect work. Now let me just ask you guys something this morning. All of, all of you that are here, again, we have young, old, we have everybody in between. Does it do something to you when you have a problem that won't go away? Does that do something to you? I mean, you've, had, you've lived with it, and 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 months have went by, and maybe even years have went by, and you're still having problems. Does that do something to you? What's that do to you? It makes you mature. Does anybody see in the process? Problems cause you to have to endure. Enduring problems causes you to mature. And that's what he says there. He says that word perfect is the word mature. So let patience, enduring that, cause you to be mature. Everybody talks about, I want to be mature. And most people think they are mature. Uh, wrongly so a lot of times. But most people think they're mature. But you know, you don't get to be mature until you go through the process. And sometimes the process is not pleasant, but going through problems and doing that causes you to mature. And that reason that is, is because if you will endure under the problem, you're going to start looking to the Lord to help you get through. Is that right? And that, that creates a, a maturity in you. Now, very, very interesting. I think this is just so very interesting. Again, I, I think if we understood this process, I think we would, we would look at things a little differently. And I, I don't see most Christians living by this process. Because you've got to have problems. You've got to endure those problems. Then you've got to grow mature from that. And look at what it says in verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now here's how some people want to interpret that. I believe this is a wrong interpretation. Some people want to inter- interpret that. If I just endure through this, God's going to give me anything I want. <laughs> that, that's not what that means, okay? Wanting nothing is not He's going to give me anything I want. Man, if I just hang on, He's going to take care of all my problems. Everything's going to be great. and you know, No problems. No, that's not what they're saying. What I believe that's saying is, um, you know, there's an old saying, um, happiness isn't um, having everything you want. It's wanting everything you have. You get to a place where you're just content with what you have. Now, that's a big deal. So if you see the, if you see the picture James is growing, maybe you're a new convert, maybe you're a new Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you just need to grow up. But whoever you are, you're in a thing. And God sends you some problems and then those problems don't go away. And then he calls you to endure those problems and then he gives you maturity. And because he gives you those maturity and because you start trusting him, all of a sudden you're not wanting everything you wanted before. Now you're wanting Jesus. And you're content if you have Jesus. Does that make a difference? That makes all the difference in the world because now you're wanting nothing. And see, we see a lot of Christians, and as soon as they, you know, as soon as they have a health problem, or as soon as they have a family problem, or any problem, they have, oh Lord, get me out of this. Oh Lord, fix this. Oh Lord, if I only had this, if I only had that, if this would be fixed, if I, I would just be happy if I didn't have to do this. And, and all, they're squirming and they're doing it. They're not growing closer to God. They're not trusting the Lord. They're not maturing. They're just trying to figure out how do I get out of this suffering. But we see other Christians that they are going through things and they draw closer to the Lord. And they draw closer to the Lord. Now, nobody likes problems. I can ask you now, raise your hands if you like problems. Nobody likes problems, right? Nobody likes that. But it does make us grow and mature. And when you come to the place, I believe, you know, some of us are more stubborn than others. But I believe that there is a breaking that has to take place in all of us. 
Am I right? There's a breaking. There's, there's a breaking of us to humble us down to see that God is in control and that God is always right. But when he breaks you down and you have problems and you begin to realize God's good. But Terry, can we realize God's good when life is falling apart? That's the whole point. God is good when life seems bad, when the devil's telling you you feel sorry for yourself, when the devil's telling you you've got it so bad, when the devil's telling you God's forsaken you, when the devil's telling you the church doesn't care, when God, all that has put in your head, you need to say, no, God is good. Not with your lips, but in your heart, God is taking care of me. And those people are the ones that mature, and those people are the ones who grow, and those people are the ones who become stable, and those people are the ones whenever problems come, you can't throw them off. Amen? And we need those kind of people in the church. So James has a real clear uh, time here for getting uh, to the place of contentment. I'm just content with my life. I'm content that my health won't be good the rest of my life. I'm content that my finances aren't what they ought to be. I'm content that I have family problems. I'm content with, I'm content because God knows best and all things work together for the good of them that love and serve Him. Being conformed into His image, I am content that whatever God sends my way, He knows more than I do and I trust Him because He's God. Amen? And that's how we grow in the Lord. And that's how we mature. And that's how we become stable. And, and we get to the place of wanting nothing. Now this next part is, uh, is interesting as well. So you're going through this process. You have problems. You have endurance. You have uh, maturity. And then you have uh, contentment. You're wanting nothing. And then he says, if you lack wisdom. Isn't that interesting? Anybody ever had any problems and you said, Lord, I just don't know what to do? <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> I mean, I pray this all the time. I get down by the and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about the church. I don't know about my family. I, Lord, I don't know what to do. And I literally will get down and tell the Lord, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to tell me. Now, that, that's biblical because James said when you're going through problems and, and all this, stuff, this process and you get down to the place where now you're trusting God and mature, but you don't know what to do. James said it's kind of simple. Just ask God. Here's the problem, people. I, I don't want this to be a, a, a condemning you guys this morning. That's not what this message is meant to be. I want this to be an encouragement going into the new year. But here's the problem. Any man like it was... Let, let me use me, me for an example. I have a lot of people, down through the years, I've had a lot of people come into my office wanting counseling. Do you know what 95% of the people who come into my office wanting counseling want? They want to tell me their side and me to agree with it to tell them to do what they want to do. All right, that's what, that's what counseling is, right? You know, I've got a problem with my family. I've got a problem with my finances. I've got a problem in church. I, I'm mad at my past. Whatever it is, I want you to give me counsel. And what they really want is for me to tell them that what they're doing is okay and go ahead and do it. Very, very rarely ever can you say, well, the Bible says you're wrong and I think you need to change. You know what? They won't come back. They didn't come to be told they were wrong. They, called, they came to be told they were right. Don't we do God the same way? Don't we do God the same way? Oh, Lord, I got this problem, and I, I don't know what to do. My family's falling apart. Lord, I, I just need wisdom. If you would just tell me what to do, I, I just need you to give me wisdom. And then God shows you what to do. Oh, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. Is there something else I could do? All right? I don't want to do that. that that's the, no, I, I want the answer. See, Lord, I was thinking if we did this. And God said, no. 
You need to do this. No, Lord, that's not the answer I was looking for. And we do God that way. See, when praying for wisdom, when you come to the place of trusting Him and and going through these problems and enduring all this immaturity, and then you get to the place say, God, give me wisdom, and whatever you show me, that is what I will do. Now you're changing. Because God sometimes gives you direction that doesn't make sense. Has anybody ever had that happen? God tells you to do something and says, that don't make any sense whatsoever. Has God ever been wrong? God ever give you bad advice? God ever told you to do something and say, oh, you know, that, was, that was wrong? No, God knows. Someone has said this. I think this is quite uh, something we ought to think about. If you knew everything that God knows about you, you would do the same thing God is doing. Has anybody, I know we can't say this out loud. We don't like to because we're Christians. But has anybody ever thought, God, this ain't right what you're doing? <laughs> I know we're not allowed to say that, right? But we've thought it. We've thought, God, this ain't right. Has anybody ever figured out down the road a little bit he did exactly what was right? See, that's the point. We think, God, you made a mistake there. I think you let that one slip. And then God says, well, just wait a little bit. You're going to see. And you wait a little while and say, oh, God, you're exactly right. Right? So that's where we ask for wisdom. So we get all these things. So we're going through the process. We have problems. We have endurance. We have maturity. We have contentment. We have wisdom. That is the process. You say, I don't like that process. I don't enjoy that process. That's fine. But if you want to be stable, if you want to be mature, you're going to have to go through that process. There's no other way of getting it. That is the process. You can't get there any other way. But then we look at the problem. So we have a process that will bring us to stability, but then we have a problem. So we look at verse number uh, 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is, as, is like a wave of the sea, driven and of the wind, and tossed. I believe this is one of the most misunderstood teachings in, in the church. And, and we can blame the charismatics, we can blame a lot of ones, but you know what? It's a lot of Baptists got this wrong. When we read, if, uh, if a man have faith, here's what we think. If I just believe hard enough, I can get God to do anything I want him to do. <laughs> you know, that's not true. You know, newsflash, it might be his will for you to die. <laughs> it might be his will for you to suffer. It's one of the things we've been taught, so many have been taught, and there are scriptures that would lead you to think that if you don't interpret them correctly, and we can read this where James is saying, in which if I just believe hard enough, it's going to happen. If I just believe this strong enough, I'll, you know, I'll twist God's arm, he'll have to heal me. I, just in the last, I would say the last just three or four months, I have had numerous people from this church come to me and say, I don't understand, I am believing with everything that's in me, and I have prayed, and God didn't do it. <laughs> because we're taught wrong. Right? Listen, God is not obligated to do what you tell him to do because you believe. God will do what is right because you trust him. And that is the difference. That is the difference. So James says here, if you, uh, if you ask, ask with faith. So here's an interesting thing. I looked this up in the original Greek word, looked this up. I was totally fascinated by what it said because most of us have been taught, and in churches it's just kind of the thought that faith is just believing strong enough. Do you know if you look that word up in the original Greek, that's really not what that word means? Do you know what that word actually means? That, that word means a conviction in who God is. Did anybody get that at all? It isn't, I'm going to believe hard enough and get my way. It is, with everything in me, 
I believe he's the creator of the universe who always does what's right, who is always right. And in my life, whether I understand it or not, he will do what is right. Is that hard? Is that hard? See, that's hard because sometimes God doesn't do what we think he should do. But if we understood that he is the creator, amen, he is the creator, he created everything. He's all powerful. He's anointed. He always, he knows everything. There's nothing, he, he knows the future. He knows everything. And if we would just say, God, I believe that you are right and I believe you control all things and whatever you do, I trust you. You know, we like that song, I Still Trust You, Renee Sings. It was one of our favorite songs. We just love that song. And it is a tremendous song. And it's, it's fun to be in a church service and think about I Still Trust You. But you know it's hard sometimes to trust God? Has anybody ever had a hard time trusting God? Because sometimes He doesn't do what I think He should do. You know what I'm supposed to do in those times? Still trust Him. Because He's still right. So... So we, we have some wrong beliefs sometimes, and I believe that causes us a problem. I believe another problem we have, as I've already said, I, I think a lot of Christians, when they get in this process, they don't allow this process to work in them. They just try to figure out how to get out of this process. And we've seen that multiple times in churches where, where we've seen people who uh, would not abide and endure through the problem. They just would try to figure out how to get out of it, and they messed up the process. Sometimes we've got to go through the process. And uh, if I dare say it, Sometimes there's a problem because there's rebellion. You know, whenever you tell God that you're right and he's wrong, how many of you know that's rebellion? <laughs> All right? God, you're wrong for what you did. You, you took one of my loved ones. You, you, you give me this problem. You give me this sickness. You took my finances away. I lost my job. God, you're wrong. That's rebellion. That's rebellion. And this process won't work with rebellion. So we have some problems, and James lays it out real clearly here. When we have problems, we will be tossed to and fro as the wind. I was thinking about if you go out on Lake Erie, you know, maybe we don't have any boaters in the crowd, I don't know, but if we went out on Lake Erie, and it's a stormy day, a big old storm brews up, and you're in a little 10-foot uh, John boat, you're going to have problems, Right? You're in the middle of the lake, and you're in a little John boat. I don't know if you know what a John boat is, but it's a real small little thing, ain't got much sides on it, and the waves start going, and you're more likely you're going to end up going for a swim, right? But if you're in a 40-foot yacht, and a big storm comes up, what are you going to do? You get tossed around a little bit, but you're going to get right through it. Isn't that the way the Christian life is? There are some people in this church, and there are some Christians in life, that they can go through problems. Listen, we all get tossed around a little bit. We all, you know, get get to go through problems. But there are people who just go through the storm. And there are other people when the storm comes, they fall out of the boat. I, I'm not trying to be mean here this morning. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just trying to see if we want a good 2021, we need to figure out how to have a boat that will get through the storm. Because there's more storms coming. And when those storms come, we need a boat that will get through it. And that boat is Jesus Christ. And often we jump off of Jesus Christ into that little jumbo And we're tossed all over the place. And we're trying to figure out how do I get this thing straightened out. And what we need to do is stay in the boat. Jesus Christ is the boat. And he can get through any storm that comes. Amen. Amen? Do we believe that? As a church, do we believe no matter if 2021 is, is twice as bad as 2020, do we believe Jesus can get us through He'll get us through any storm. And we need some stable Christians say, I don't care what comes. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be faithful. And I'm not going to get thrown off. That's what we need in the church. That's what we need in all of our churches. So uh, we're tossed to and fro. And we see many Christians that live that life out. 
these are the Christians who come and they're, they're always like, I just don't know why this is happening to me. And I don't know why I'm going through all this. And I don't know why my life's falling apart. And here's what they always say. This is what they say to me. I don't know why I've got it so much worse than everybody else. I wonder where that thought come from. My life's just always a mess. I don't know why everybody else has got it so good. Maybe it's because you didn't go through the process to get you where you wouldn't have the problems this storm. Amen. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings this morning. I'm trying to help you. Uh, so I want you to see uh, that we, we are going to face storms and we need to get stable so we can get through the storms. So then if we go on to the potential, point number three, the potential. So we had, we had the process of getting there. We have the, the problem with the process that sometimes we don't, you know, people can go through problems and they still aren't mature. They still aren't grown up. They aren't stable. But then there is, uh, there is here a, um, I, I believe, a promise that we can look at. <clears throat> Verse number seven, it says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, again, I, I want to clarify this. And I really want to make sure I make this clear. A lot of people will take that scripture right there and they will say that is teaching. If you didn't believe hard enough, God's not going to give you what you want. That's not what that scripture is teaching. What that scripture is teaching is if you keep God on the throne and make sure you know that he is God and he will always do what is right. He's going to get you through whatever comes. That's what that scripture says. So, so he, he, will, he will grant to those who have faith who believe that he is. But here's really the scripture that I wanted to preach on. Here's really the thought that really caught my attention. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That stood out to me. Now I want to make sure I clarify this for everybody here. That Don't let that word man throw you off. That is not talking about the male. That is talking about mankind. Okay, so that includes all of you women. Okay, so we're, this is all of us. Because we're all in this together. But here's what it says. If you're double-minded, you're unstable in all of your ways. And why that stood, stood out to me, and it really just hadn't stood out to me before like that. It doesn't say, because this is what people think. Well, you know, I had some problems with my family, and it kind of threw me off. It kind of threw me off course. But in the rest of my life, I'm stable. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, Pastor, we we had some we had some problems. Uh, we had some problems in our finances, and I kind of got a little sideways for a little while. But you know, besides that, I'm really stable. No, you're not. You know, stable people are stable people, and unstable people are unstable people. <laughs> That, that, that's just the way it is. If you're uns- and what James says, if you find yourself that you're tossed to and fro, look around. You were tossed to and fro on everything that happened. And some people deceive themselves and think that's not true. But what he's saying is all your ways. Hey, listen, if you're unsettled, if your mind is not set up, if you are a double-minded person, you are unstable in every area of your life. Everything that happens outside of church, inside church, you're unstable. And James tells you how to be stable. That's what I want to tell you this morning is how to be stable. Go through the process. It will, it will bring you to a maturity. It will bring you to a time when you can be uh, um, stable. So let's look at double-minded just for a minute. Let's look at double-minded just for a minute. I, the first message of the year, I, I didn't want this to be a downer, but, but I do want to be eye-opening. Have we ever seen this in church? Do we ever see this in church? I love the church with all of my heart. This church means everything to me. I love. Lo- there's nothing I wouldn't do for this church. I love this church with everything, unless there's something else going on out there. And then I love that. <laughs> Does anybody know what that is? That's double-minded. 
I love the church. Now, if I told Renee, I love you, you're the beautiful woman in the world. But there's this other woman, I love her too, with all my heart. Does anybody think that'd be a problem? All right? She wouldn't say, hey, I'm good with that. He loves me. That's good. No. And the Lord said you cannot serve two masters, right? You, you, you can't be in love with two different things. So you can't love this church with everything that's in you and want to be a part. Oh, pastor, I want a job. I want to work in the church. I want to be involved. Unless I got something I got to do, and, and then I won't be there. <laughs> I can't help but preach like this. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just there are people... I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but we all have lives. We all have lives. Can I tell you right now, I could quit working today, and I could stop going to church today, until the day I die, I could work in my house and never get caught up. Right? Everybody's got that. I can go out to eat, I can go have fun, I can go to ball games, I can go do family things, I can spend time with my kids. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, everybody has things to do. But there are some people that are always here. And there are some people that are just here when there's not something else they got to be doing. Do you know what the difference is? Double-minded. I, I can remember me and Renee was uh, when our kids was little. Josh and Rachel was little kids, and one of them would get sick. Me and her both would be just about in tears because one of us had to stay home, one of us got to go to church. By the way, we were crying because the one that had to stay home, right? We wanted to come to church. There are other people; they're just looking for a good reason that I don't have to go to church. It's a double-minded person. But, but, but James says that double-minded person is unstable in all the ways. Some people can't figure out, why is it that I don't, the Lord doesn't bless me? Why is it I have so much trouble? Why is it I have this? Why is it? Maybe it's because you're trying to love two things at once and you need to figure out which one you really love. If you love the world, go serve the world. If you love Jesus, get in and serve Jesus. Amen. And, and that's, that's what throws a lot of people off. And, and we see this in just in so many areas uh, um, of, of making a commitment to something and, and wanting to work in a church and wanting to do this. And, you know, the Lord means everything to me. And, and, and you know, we have people that come in and they're, you know, I, I love the Lord so much. And I want to do this new ministry. I want to do this or that. And they're just, oh, I just love Jesus so much. And the next thing you know, they're sidetracked off doing something else. <laughs> we need, listen. At Sand Hill, we need some stable people that cannot be knocked off course. Let me give you one last one, and then we'll close this thing up. <clears throat> i got to read one more text to you, and we're done. I love this church. Anybody else love this church? I love this church. I have made up my mind this is where God wants me to be. I've prayed many times to leave. I've prayed many times about many things. But I really feel in my heart of hearts that this is where God wants me to be. I feel this is my church. Now you guys irritate me. You guys aggravate me. You guys annoy me. There's things going on that tick me off. This is my church. I'm not double-minded. I'm not, I love this church. This is where I want to be until something irritates me. And then I don't think I want to be here anymore. I hope there's nobody here that that suits this morning, and I trust that there's not anybody here that that suits your who you are. But can I just tell you this through the years in church and through the experience that I've had with the people in this church? When you get in that mindset, you're on your way out the door. I love Sand Hill until they do something I don't like, and then I don't love it so much. I want to go there, but I don't really like what they're doing. See, though, when you're that way, you're vulnerable to the devil just saying, "Well, just go somewhere else." And I'm just saying, that, you know, there are people, there are people, in this, there's people who've been here for 40, 50, 60 years. People have been here longer than I've been alive, I guess, that have been here for a long, long time. There's a reason for that. 
And there are people who have been here through, listen, you talk to anybody that's been in this church 40, 50 years, they can't say, man, it's just been easy. There have been no problems. Everything's been smooth. Everybody's always done what they're supposed to. I've never been disappointed. It's always been great. What they'll tell you is, this is where I was supposed to be. And I think being double-minded opens you up to being taken out by the devil. Turn your Bibles with me. Last thing, we'll, go, we'll close up. Turn your Bibles with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'd like for you to read this with me. Precious scripture. I know it's very familiar. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> I think this kind of sums up what James is trying to tell us. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 57 Are we there? But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys believe that? Let's read it again. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's the answer to everything right there. That takes care of everything. Everything we have the victory because we have Jesus. But then listen to what he says. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. We are to be steadfast, we are to be unmovable, we are to be single-minded, not double-minded. We are to make up our mind that God knows what He's doing. We are to make up our mind where our passion is at, what our love is at, and we are to go forward for the Lord. I don't know what this year holds for us. I don't know what lays ahead. We've said that a hundred times. It could be good, it could be bad, it could be easy, it could be hard. But I just know this, no matter what it is, God's still in control. God's still in control. You say, are you optimistic or I- I'm very encouraged. I look back at a kind of a difficult year we just come through and God took care of us. He said, what's going to future go? I have no idea. Listen, the rapture might come. We might go to heaven. Is that okay? We might go to heaven. We might go through some suffering. We might go through some hard times. We might love some, lose some love. We don't know, but my point is, does not matter. Make up our mind. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to be stable. And whatever happens, we're not going to get tossed around. We're going to go forward. Amen? Amen. If we'll do that, we will have a good year. Can I, let, me, let me change that. You can have a good year. You can have a good year. See? We can, but you can. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can have a good year or not. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> there are some crazy people, me and Terry anyway, there are some crazy people who have done made up their mind already, this is going to be a good year. Now, I didn't say it was going to be easy. I said it's going to be good. There are other people, oh, I'm afraid what's going to happen. Why don't we get over that? Why don't we set our minds that God's good? He's going to take care of us. We're his children. Listen to me. If anything's going to happen to Josh and Rachel or Jenny and CJ and my little grandbabies, how many of you know that this old man's going to do everything in his power to take care of them? Do you think God loves us less than that? I mean, if someone's going to do something to one of my grandkids, listen, we got to fight. we got to fight, okay? Everybody <laughs> understand that? We gotta fight because I love them. Do you think God looks down in heaven and says, Well, the devil, go ahead and tear them up. That's my kids. I don't care. He loves us. You think about the way you feel about your kids and grandkids. You think about how much God thinks about you. He's gonna take care of us. Amen. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. 
If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.